0: So today we have two scriptures. Our first is from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, and then the second is from the New Testament, Colossians, chapter 1. Let us hear these words of scripture, beginning with Nehemiah. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. And now from Paul's letter to the church of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 14. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give your spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today we do conclude our series entitled Dynamite Prayer. And it's based off of the devotional of the same name. A devotional that's authored by Rosario Picardo and Sue Nilsson Kibbe. And our English word for dynamite comes from the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. In the New Testament, this word dunamis describes the supernatural resurrection power of God's Spirit that broke into the world not only at Jesus's resurrection, but it, again and again and again it broke through in the New Testament, transforming people's lives every single time. And so, in this devotional, Sunios and Kibbe and Rosario Picardo they challenge us to open ourselves to God's dunamis power and dunamis spirit that is in our lives, allowing it to transform us and then through us, the world. And so I'm excited this morning to conclude our series to have Reverend Michael Parisher join us this morning. Michael serves currently as the executive director of Nehemiah Mission, which is a United Methodist urban mission up in Cleveland on Bridge Avenue. He's originally from Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and he studied at NC State for his undergrad, and then he earned his Master's in Divinity at Duke Divinity School. Michael has worked in international missions with refugees at the Church World Service in Durham, North Carolina, as well as the United Methodist Volunteers in Mission Southeast Jurisdiction Office. And he is married to his wife, Alex, who is also a pastor and serves as the Associate Pastor of Discipleship at Chagrin Falls UMC. And they live currently in Solon, Ohio. And so I want to welcome Michael this morning. Will you join me?
1: Let us pray. God, we pray for your humble spirit to rest on each of us here today. And Lord, either because of me or in spite of me, I pray that your word would be faithfully proclaimed and your name glorified this morning. And Lord, from the cowardice that dare not face new truth, from the laziness that is contented with half-truth, and from the arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, good Lord, deliver us. Amen. Good morning. As was said, I am Michael Parisher. I serve as a deacon and executive director at the Nehemiah Mission of Cleveland. As a deacon there, I serve as a bridge between the mission and the world and the church. My work can be administrative some days. It can be spiritual, providing pastoral care for our volunteers, our staff, our international newcomers, uh, and many of our local community members as well. It can be working on programs or helping with the mission teams that come through. There are many vital components of the mission and each part of them helps us further God's love in Cleveland and beyond. And while there are many things that we do from the outside um, that make it look like the mission runs and operates in a good way, all the things, the programs, paying our bills on time, Our pantries, where we're able to give out items, including some of the bikes that you all have been able to assist us with, they all come out of the wellspring that is who we are, not what we are, and God's mission for us. For starters, the Nehemiah mission gets its name from the prophet Nehemiah. As was read, um, Nehemiah was a prophet and eventual governor sent by God and the Persian king to rebuild Jerusalem after the exile. Similarly, in Cleveland, about 20 years ago next year, a small and dwindling population at People's Hope United Methodist Church felt a similar call to rebuild their neighborhood and their community, and so they made a very bold step in church life. They decided to turn something that was dying and give it new life. They closed down their church. They changed the inside to be able to accommodate uh, dorms and people living there, and they turned something into new life. They created the Nehemiah Mission with the main goal to serve their neighborhood. And since this was a low income neighborhood, they wanted to be able to host mission teams during the summer to help physically rebuild many of their neighbors' homes and allow them to continue to live in dignity and safety within them. That's what the mission has done for many years with the support of many Methodist and non-Methodist churches We have been able to help facilitate rebuilding, and we still do that to this day. The teams do the physical repairs of rebuilding while also building relationships with the homeowners, with each other, and with God. And so, like Nehemiah, the Nehemiah mission began to rebuild their respective cities and live into their calls that God has placed on them. However, how do we know where God is calling us? This is where we turn in our scripture that came from Nehemiah this morning. In chapter 2, we get the quintessential call for Nehemiah. However, if we aren't careful, we will miss one of the most important parts of this passage. One of the main components that we first run into in the story is that God has placed something on Nehemiah's heart. It shows in his face, in his demeanor, he just can't hide it. And so the king notices So when the king asks Nehemiah about what is bothering him, he tells him what God has laid on his heart. However, before he asks the king to rebuild the city, Nehemiah stops, and it's so easy to miss this, so I want to read it one more time. Chapter 2, verse 4 says, Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah stops, and he prays, before any action is taken. Even when rebuilding the city was already placed on his heart in chapter 1, he still chooses to pray first. For Nehemiah, listening to God, communing with God, living into that breakthrough prayer was more important than any good or noble calls that he could take up. For Nehemiah, prayer was essential to who he was and the work that God was calling him and the people of Israel into. Prayer is a vital part of any healthy mission or ministry. The church, shockingly, does not need, I mean the world, shockingly, does not need the church in order to provide for just the material and spatial needs of the world. Governments and agencies have the capacity to do that. But when we skip over Nehemiah's call to what he's actually doing, we miss the relationality of God's call for him and for the church today. Nehemiah focuses first on his relationship with God through prayer because he knew that rebuilding a city, he knew any mission that God was calling him toward, meant emulating God's own relationality, God's own love for us. For Nehemiah, this happens through what I consider breakthrough prayer Now, we don't get any information about what this prayer consists of for Nehemiah. We don't know if it was a quick five-second prayer under his breath. Every time before I speak, whether it's for a quick second or for an entire sermon, I always say a quick prayer of Holy Spirit, speak, before I stand. As a way of inviting the Holy Spirit into the words that I'm going to say in a humble recognition that I can't do this by myself. Maybe Nehemiah vocalized a similar prayer, or maybe he vocalized a prayer out loud. Maybe he sang a song, maybe he bowed down and hit his knees on the ground. Maybe he couldn't even vocalize words, but his heart sent up a prayer. All we know is that it was vital to the entire rest of what we see in Nehemiah that he chose to pray in that moment. Prayer was vital to the work God was calling Nehemiah and the people of Israel into. And it's also vital to each and every one of us, not only in our lives, but it's vital to sermons, it's vital to our committee meetings and our mission decisions, and to where we give, and to how to use our resources, but most importantly, into how we love each other. And it's also vital to what it means to build or rebuild well. For Nehemiah, as well as the Nehemiah mission, rebuilding was not a sprint but it has been a marathon in a lot of ways. It's not a one-time event, but a long process with many, 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 many bumps along the way. Nehemiah knew this, and so does Paul. In Colossians, Paul speaks directly to the marathon that is faith, that is mission work, that is rebuilding a city. Paul knew that this life was not easy, That there would be days that felt like months, and there would be years that felt like decades. Paul knew that being unprepared for the marathon would lead to burnout, to missional drift, to good programs and missions fizzling out. Prayer is how we prepare. Prayer is how we endure. Prayer is how we survive the days when it's all we can do to hope for is to finish them. And prayer is also how we thrive. In our faith, the importance of Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 2 shows up again and again as you read through the rest of Nehemiah's story and all that it took to begin to rebuild Jerusalem. The reason we know that it was a breakthrough prayer was that when he prayed then and continued to pray, it shows up in chapter 5. I want to read an example of the fruits of Nehemiah's prayer life in Nehemiah 5, verses 1 through 13. It reads, about this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families. We need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others have said, we had to borrow money on our fields and our vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs. Yet we sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, you are all doing what you are doing. We can. We are doing all that we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in defense. Then I pressed further, what you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and sisters and my workers have been leading the people, lending the people money and grain, but now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent them money on grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, we will give everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest and made the nobles and officials swear to do as they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, if you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you out from homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, amen, and they praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. In Nehemiah chapter five, we have an example of one of those bumps that Nehemiah dealt with numerous times as he and the prophet Ezra began to rebuild the city after the exile. In this chapter, we see that Nehemiah brings charges against those in the ruling class and says that he and others have been trying so hard to bring back people from all over after the exile And yet now it's their own people trying to force themselves back into slavery. When we look at God's love and redemption in the story, we see that the rich and the privileged were not excluded from coming back either from the exile. But that didn't give them free reign to cause the same harm that forced them into exile in the first place. This is how we know that our breakthrough prayer works. Because the rich and the privileged were held accountable and they responded in mercy. The injustice was corrected. As a reconciling church, I know that many of you struggle with eradicating injustice in all forms that it presents itself. It takes the endurance and patience that can only come from God that we tap into when we choose to pray first and pray often. At the Nehemiah Mission, we lean into the power of breakthrough prayer and lean into the endurance and patience that God provides us. At the core of who we are and who God is calling us to be, we are relational and that takes time. That takes endurance. Our mission at the Nehemiah Mission is to rebuild hope one relationship at a time for the transformation of our community. One relationship at a time takes forever, and it takes prayer. There are many examples I could give you um, to share about the fruit of this approach for us at the mission, but the one that most readily comes to my mind is about a veteran who comes to our community mill who finds himself unsheltered. Jerry comes sporadically to our community mill and our men's spiritual formation group. Jerry struggles with PTSD, and every day that I don't see him, I send up a prayer for wherever he is physically, mentally, spiritually. I went to talk to Jerry um, during one of our meals, and before a word was uttered between us, he stared deeply into my eyes and I into his. I could see his. I could see his mouth trying to form the words needed and not knowing where to start. And all the trauma that he has had in his life and not knowing what to say next. I grabbed his hand and held it tight. As I looked into his eyes, I told him, it doesn't have to be today. We will be here tomorrow. We will be here when you are ready. Tears fought to come out as his hand tightened on mine. He nodded and said, Thank you. He left, and I knew that he would be back. I knew that God was with him because he had finally found somewhere willing to sit and listen when he was ready. Prayer follows him every day, breakthrough prayer that has the ability to endure. We don't only do this with Jerry, we do this with the international newcomers that come into our building and live in our transitional housing. We do this for our African refugee boys that we've been able to give bikes to. We do this to anybody who walks through our prayer, whether client or volunteer, uh, board members, anybody that comes through. And I think our churches have the same opportunity to pray and to live into prayer sitting right at our feet. It's no new news at this point that the UMC has been going through some exile and rebuilding with all that's happened on a denominational level, but also with coming out of a pandemic and learning who we want to be. Sometimes we aren't entirely sure where God is leading or what our next step is. The answer we have been talking about this morning to that question has to be prayer. That's what Nehemiah did. That's what Paul tells us we need to do and that he did for all the churches that he counseled. And again, it might not happen right this second, but it will. God will not leave us unanswered when we pray. In the meantime, God gives us the patience to endure, to wait, to slowly topple over injustice in our world. So what do we do in that meantime? How do we begin to know how to keep going. We focus on loving better in a way that will bring about justice in our world. So how do we move toward loving better? Many times we say we are a diverse church and globally we are, but what does it mean for our churches to continue to move toward looking like the communities that we come from? For our missions to be with and alongside instead of removed and to or for someone What does it mean for us to care about all of our creation and not just the humans that sit next to us this morning? What does it mean for us to name those who have died due to violence, um, like Michael Brown and Breonna Taylor, Tyree Nichols, Pierre McCoy, the Lunar New Year shooting, the many, many, many school shootings, and so, so many more? What does it mean for us to set aside our false idols? Our materialism, our nationalism, our self righteousness, our revengefulness when we think we've been wronged, our sexism and racism and homophobia, and most importantly, our independence and lean solely on God. These are the things that I know I struggle with on a daily basis. Um, These are things that as I talk with people, they struggle with on a daily basis, even if sometimes they are too scared to name them or they can't get the words out. These are uh, these are the things that, when we, <clears throat> that we can face when we listen to God's call in our lives and our relationship with God is focused on our prayer. It's what drives us forward because it's so easy to turn towards things that are going on in our lives, in our church, in our world, in the busyness of all of it and forget to pray. When we look further into Nehemiah and Ezra, who are both rebuilding prophets, we see a clear answer as to how we move forward. Both of these books have a significant part of them focused on reading the Torah aloud, so that this new city, this new temple, are focused on their relationship with God first. Nehemiah and Ezra knew that as they cared for the needs of a rebuilt and rebuilding community, that they had to be in relationship with God through prayer in the word of God. They knew why they had been exiled before and it wasn't because they didn't stick to the exact letter of the law. It was because they turned from God's love and ordinances thinking they knew better. They stopped praying. They forgot what it meant to pray and to be in a dynamite, life-altering relationship with God. Church, we live in a time and in a world within our church where division and turning away from God can come far too easily, where prayer is forgotten except maybe at mealtimes. If we hold fast to God in our prayer, we grow closer and closer to God, and we see each other as equal heirs in the kingdom of God. We see the love present. We celebrate the differences we have. We live out what it means to care for each other as Jesus cared for the masses as he cared for his disciples, as he washed Judas' feet and still shared in the Last Supper with him, as he blessed the criminals that hung with him, and as he prayed for intercession, prayed for intercession on behalf of those who crucified him while he was dying at their hands, as God returned God's people to Jerusalem after the exile, and as Jesus intercedes for us daily. I pray we take this opportunity in the life of our church to rebuild in ways that put relationships and prayer first and our agendas last. I think the church and the mission field could do with more disciples living by love and not by doctrine. Let us pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of the Israelites and of the kings and of the prophets, God of the disciples and the martyrs and the monastics, God of John Wesley and of these people in this church here in Brecksville, we come before you humbly. We pray for closeness to you. For in you we find all goodness, all love, and all faithfulness. Your own son reminds us that only God is good, and so we come to you and ask us, for that goodness, that love to fill us up, for that goodness and that love to become clear in our hearts and for that to flow through us into a divisive and hostile world. We know how we stumble and we thank you for your ever-flowing grace, for your mercy, for your endurance, for your patience when we turn from you. Instill in us this day a desire to love you more fully to keep the spirit of your ordinances, and to love those around us more fully. Give us the spirit of Nehemiah to commune with you as we move through our days and our lives. Help us to rebuild faithfully, Lord. We pray all this in your holy, mighty, and dynamite name. Amen. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michael. I like that you said um, it might not happen right this second, but it will. In the meantime, we love better. And everything is rooted in prayer. We pray throughout our worship services. We pray constantly in the church and hopefully in our lives. So that God will give us the endurance and the patience to love people, right? That's the the work of the world. That's the work of the church in the world. As we prepare for this time of prayer with one another, I would like to invite our handbell choir to come forward, and they are going to share a special piece of music with us. And those joining online, I invite you to share your prayers in the comments, On Facebook, you can also use our prayer at brexelumc.com or through our text number. Thank you very much. We haven't had a, a handbell choir in a number of years. years. and and I think Becky, you're the one uh, you kind of said it's time to bring it back. And so thank you for doing that. We have quite a few prayers this morning. Uh, Mary asked prayers prays for guidance in making big life decisions, and Marla asked for prayers for all who are grieving the loss of a loved one um, in the Tusky Valley band accident. And Kim asked for prayers of healing for friend Deb's foot. And we have a few people, prayers of thanks to all who came to the Bike Fix-It Day yesterday. There were over 25 or so volunteers that came yesterday, and they fixed over 30 bikes. Lots of people who knew what they were doing and, and people um, who were able to do that. And, and Nehemiah has been able to get some bikes too. So it's, it's great to, to have that ministry and to see the new life that is there. And thank you to Jenny Gee for initiating the ministry. And Shelley asks for prayers for her sister Barbara as the doctor performs a more explorative surgery on her heart. And Dion asks for prayers for our friend Tara who is in hospice, as well as prayers for her and her family. And Kyra, uh, prayers for Kyra who was hit by a car and is in the ICU. Uh, recovering um, from a successful surgery. And Kathy asked for prayers for a neighbor, Jack, who had a stroke. And then also prayers um, of gratitude for, we have our Pearl Road ministry coming up, and we have lots of volunteers for that. And so it is good to see the way that God is already working through us and in us so that we can go and we can love people better. And then I do want to a lift up Nehemiah Mission and, and all that they do for the people in Cleveland and the people who are living in that community as well as all of those um, refugees who are coming and being cared for through that ministry. And also for Michael and um, all of the candidates for ordination um, or, or is that what, I don't even remember you're going for ordination. He's he's done a lot of work over the past few years, and he's doing all kinds of paperwork and everything, and I'm just like, I I feel for him and in all of the prayers for all of them that are going through and feel God's call into into ministry. And then also George asked for prayers for his principal's daughter. Um, Her name is Jade, and she's going to have an eight-hour surgery this week. So with that, um, I do. I, want, I would like to begin our prayer this morning with our 650 prayer. This is a prayer that, a dynamite prayer specifically for um, Braxel UMC. And so um, I would invite you to either p- pull out your card. Um, if you don't have a card, you can um, get one from the welcome team as you leave here. And then also it is online at bumclinks.com. Um, And we're going to gather together on November 29th um, and have our dynamic prayer potluck as a way that we can, all of the things that we have been listening and hearing from God in our dynamic prayer, our our breakthrough prayer, we're going to come together, we're going to share food as well as where God has been speaking through us and with us. So I would like to begin with this and then I will move into our pastoral prayer. So let us pray together. Almighty God, you've placed us in the center of town as a beacon of your love. May we be a listening church known for keeping you at the center of all things. May we take risks, acting boldly with your grace so your light shines around the world. Open our hearts and minds to the incredible things we haven't even imagined yet. Oh God, we know that you are the creator. You are our creator and the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And so we pray that out of your glorious and unlimited resources, you would strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds to the power of your Holy Spirit. Oh God, may your love be the firm foundation on which we build our entire lives so that together with all of your people around the world, we can come to truly understand how your love truly surpasses anything we could ever imagine. God, we have lifted up before you those who are struggling and in our need of your care. God, we pray that you will hear, hear our prayers and respond in your way. For God, we know that you know the best way, the best way to bring healing where there is hurt, the wisdom to bring where there are questions, and God, the peace that only you can bring where there is anger in this world. God, fill us with the fullness and the power that comes from you alone so that our lives will reflect your goodness and your grace to the entire world, particularly the world around us each and every day. And we pray these things in the beautiful name of Jesus, who taught us to pray with these words, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done Sunday, the last thing that we do is to remind ourselves that church does not end here, but it be, it is just beginning. And we are to take what we learn here and what the spirit that we feel here and take it into our daily lives. And so here are some ways that you can engage with BUMC in the coming weeks and, and bring it into your everyday life. And the first is on Tuesday at noon. We will have a newsletter production party. It's on Tuesday this year, this this month, Tuesday at noon because Thursday's Thanksgiving. And I don't know about you, but we're all going to be eating turkey. So you can come and you can have soup. And you can help put together um, the the newsletter that's gonna go out for December. And it's the December edition. So it's like 45,000 pages long. So we need all the help we can get to and strong muscles to fold all of those newsletters. And then uh, we have many things that are coming up to begin to celebrate and prepare ourselves for the Christmas season. We have the youth Christmas party that will be on Sunday. Um, the, the third and Dana has, hold on. Dana has these adorable little cards. And so you can hand them out to all of your friends and family, um, to come to the youth Christmas party. They have chicken and tenders and fries for dinner and gluten-free available, of course, and freshly popcorn. And there's bingo. You can win free Frosties for a year. This is only for youth, so not everybody is welcome. <laughs> um, and then they're gonna have a Christmas movie on the big screen downstairs, and they're also gonna do a make and take ornament um, craft. And so it's a it's a lot of fun. I went a couple of years ago or last year, I don't remember time, um, but it was it's it's a great fun. It's great fun. So invite any of the middle school and and high schoolers to that. And then also on the 6th, Wednesday, the 6th of December, we will have our Advent Dinner Church. And so the the staff will provide um, soup and, and bread for that, and we will gather together, and we will have church downstairs in Fellowship Hall, around tables and we'll sing and we'll have conversation and it's a great way to um, try worship and, and church a, a little bit differently. Um, so I invite you to join us for that. And then um, also today we kind of kick off our um, advent season with hanging of the greens and so directly following this service we're going to head downstairs and we are going to have some pizza and then get directions on how to just deck the halls Um, and even if you're not able to stay we have some yard signs so if you would like to have a yard sign hold on I have lots of I have lots of props today, Um, but if you would like a yard sign to let people know that they can come and they can worship with us for Christmas Eve, then um, there's some in the parlor, and you can pick one up, and this is just a great way to share that um, we have lots of wonderful, fun opportunities to worship together on Christmas Eve as well as throughout the year, so you can get a sign for your yard, um, especially if you live on a busy street. Does anybody live on like a busy street? I do not. Yeah, Marla lives right here on 82, yeah, or 21 or whatever road that is. I don't, I never remember which one's which, ever. Anyway, you can get one of those and it'll be fun. Um, and then the last thing is our, our pie drawing. So, Michael, I'm gonna have you pick it out, all right? I know, no pressure. All right, here, oh no. We need a drum roll, please. Okay. This is the most hilarious. Betty Monin! Yay! All right, Betty, I will I will be in contact with you about what kind of pie you would like, and I will make a special delivery to your house whenever you want. So yay, that's exciting. Look at all of, look at this. That's exciting. Thank you, everybody. Yes. (laughs) Okay, the drums are getting excited. So, I'm going to do our benediction so that we can go and do God's good work in the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not in pieces. Amen. Let us stand and sing.
1: Breaking out from the children of freedom, every race and every nation. Sing it out, sing a new hallelujah. Let us sing unto the nations, bringing hope. Y'all. I hope you have a wonderful week. It was such a privilege to worship with you. Your, uh... okay. So that's not, not not super new to the world. That's-